You're listening to How to Succeed in Evil, Crazy Psycho Murder Tree. Chapter 9, The Turn. Talmadge pressed the button for the elevator, but when it didn't come fast enough, he dashed into the stairwell. He stumbled down the stairs with tears pooling in his eyes. As he took each step, the back of his oversized briefcase crashed into the step behind him. Nothing was made in his size. On the next landing, the full weight of his circumstance hit him. Holy shit! He was going to have to take this thing to trial. Talmadge sat on the stairs and hung his head. With no warning, his stomach reversed and he threw up on his own shoes. On the next floor, he slunk out of the stairwell and found a bathroom. Thankfully, it was empty, so he was all alone with his shame and his vomit-spattered loafers. From inside his own head came a voice. God, Talmadge, you're pathetic. He realized the voice was right and started crying. He pleaded with the voice, with fate, with anything. I'd give anything for it not to be so. But he knew that God wasn't real and there was no devil to make a deal with. There was only the reality of lawyers who had power and lawyers who didn't have power. And then there was someone beside him. A very tall man, perhaps over seven feet tall, was standing there quietly as if he had always been there, as if he would always be there. Even if Talmadge went somewhere else, the tall man would go with him. He had the look of a man who would not hurry, would not travel coach, and would certainly not carry his own bags. But at the same time, there was a lean and hungry look about him, his frame just a touch too stretched to be heroic. Talmadge looked up at him, but the tall man in his immaculate suit said nothing. After a time, Talmadge said, I'm sorry, because he could think of nothing else to say, standing there, sobbing, defeated, with his own vomit spattered all over his cheap shoes. For what, exactly? asked the elegant man. I, I don't know, said Talmadge, now feeling, if such a thing were even possible, even worse about himself. Aristotle counsels that the high-minded man should never apologize. Yeah, well, the high-minded man I ain't, said Talmadge. What troubles you? Later, Talmadge decided that the sheer otherworldliness of the man was what allowed him to tell the truth. Either that, or he couldn't see how it could have possibly made things any worse. I'm useless. I'm a stooch. I'm a pawn. A guy with no card to play. I'm the patsy, the fall guy, the little guy. I don't stand a chance. Hmm, said the tall man. What? That's not what I see when I look at you. Are you kidding me? I'm short. I mean, to a guy like you, I probably look like your footstool's footstool. Everyone looks short to me. But in you, I see something else. What's that? Talmadge asked without hope. Someone who might be easily underestimated. Talmadge scoffed bitterly. Is it the tallest argument that wins in a courtroom? No. Well then, are you truly at a disadvantage? I... I can't. If you insist, said the tall man, now sounding bored. But you might want to remember the Japanese proverb. Even an inchworm has a half an inch of spirit. Yeah, right, whatever, said Talmadge, mopping at his shoes with a brown paper towel. As the tall man walked towards the exit, Talmadge asked, What's your name? Windsor, 
Edwin Windsor. And then he handed Talmadge a card that read Edwin Windsor, Evil Efficiency Consultant. My name is Talmadge. Are you sure? He asked, and then he left. For years after, Talmadge would think back on this moment and wonder, where had he really come from? Had he been there all along? Or had Talmadge simply missed his entrance? That the most coldly rational man he would ever know had at first meeting seemed more mystical than real never ceased to puzzle him. When Talmadge had finished wiping the vomit off his shoes, he realized what he had to do. He didn't like it, but somehow his path was clear, and the voice in his head didn't have a damn thing to say about it. He wiped his face clean with a paper towel and sprinted from the bathroom. Talmadge burst into the Parks and Recreation building like a man possessed. The fat deputy jumped up from his phone in alarm, and then he asked, You're going back down there? Give me the key, said Talmadge. I gotta go with you, the deputy said, getting up slowly. Well, you better bring a wheelbarrow to haul that ass. The deputy frowned at the unkind remark, but moved surprisingly fast for a big man. Downstairs, Talmadge explained to the bogus what he wanted to do, and the bogus creaked like he was thinking about it. Then the tree said, I will crush the meat mines. No. The sun will liberate me. I will suck in their carbon reek and renew myself and slake my thirst for vengeance once again. Talmadge slapped his palm into his face. Even now, my sap rules for revenge. Jesus Christ, still talking. Talmadge entertained a fantasy of jumping around and screaming, asshole, 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 over and over again until the tree shut up then kicking the tree creature right in the acorns, if he even had acorns. But even as he enjoyed the secret flower of anger within him, he became afraid. This monster would hurt him. Everyone would hurt him. He couldn't say what he really thought, ever. Everything was bigger than he was. He had to be cunning, play it small, play it smart. I can win this, Talmadge said with a confidence he didn't possess. If you'll just calm down and work with me, we can win this thing. I long to feel their flesh grinding against my bark. Okay, so you hate them? Talmadge asked. As I do hate hell, all Montagues, and thee. Thee? You mean me? I'm your lawyer. I'm your friend. And more than that, I'm the only guy in this whole thing who's on your side. You wiped out a Sierra Club chapter president when you leveled that university, you know. Even the friggin' Sierra Club is out to get you. People don't chain themselves to murderous trees. You chatter like a squirrel, safe from hawks only in the protection of a large old tree. See? See, that's what I'm talking about right there, the crazy talk. You talk like that in front of the jury, and it's the wood chipper for sure. Then I will show them how a son of Yggdrasil shapes to kill. Holy Christ with a tuning fork. And here Talmadge held up a hand. What was happening? Why was he having trouble holding it together like this? Was he really, finally starting to crack? He had to be measured, restrained, calculating. Above all, he had to be smart. If he showed his anger, the world would certainly stomp him flat. Okay, let's both calm down, he said, trying to start over. You hate him. I hate him. So you want to cause them as much pain as possible, right? The bogus creaked. My point is this. If you kill them, then they're dead. Then the troubles are over. But when we win this case, then they'll have to live. 
In particular, live with the humiliation of having lost, of having been wrong. Meat rots quickly, only the trees endure. Bravo! That's very terse and direct, you know, for you. Turning over a new leaf. Anyway, the point stands. Whatever happens will be short to you, but it will be the rest of their lives in shame for them. All of their tomorrows. Then, after you get off, you can decide you still want revenge, you can grate them against your bark, whatever snuff kink thing you're into. I can, said the Bogus, just realizing this for the first time. I would advise against it, as your lawyer, but because you'll have won and shamed them, you'll still have that option. The Bogus creaked again. Come on, promise me, promise me you'll play along and be a good defendant. I will try. Come on, you can drop your acorns all over their lawns just to piss them off. I will comply. Excellent, excellent. Okay, questions. Mr. Gerlach, did you set out to kill 13 protesters on that day of July 17th? They have killed so many of my kind with assaults and their fires and using their corpses for shelter, burning my kind for heat. No, 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 no. You're not a tree, remember? You're a man who had a terrible accident. Immediately after transformation, you had no idea what you were doing. You were delusional and in a fugue state. I crushed them because it felt good. You were scared. You were afraid for your life. You didn't know what was going on. How could you... It felt. Yes, go on, said Talmadge. Good to rend and smash. Talmadge face-palmed again. We don't have time for this. If you like How to Succeed in Evil, you should support it by becoming a paid subscriber at patrickemaclean.substack.com. And if you do, I mean, for the paltry sum of $5 a month, you get to binge the rest of this story right now. I mean, that's a good deal, right? You not only get to satisfy your need for instant gratification, but you get to do so in a way that lets you feel good about yourself while you're doing it. So if you want to wait a week to get the next episode, that's fine. It'll be here right on schedule. But is it the most evil thing in the world to suggest that in these trying times, you deserve a little happiness? It's actually fairly evil. This is marketing, but you should still subscribe.